Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It hit with a bang. It certainly did with me, as we saw. And I remember when it flashed on on my phone that an OPP officer had been killed. Two others were injured at a shooting in Burgot, Ontario. And then we thought of the others. One, two, three, four. And then we understand that we're not exaggerating it, that there have been an increase, certainly in Canada so far. And then I'm looking at a couple of articles written last year talking about the killing of police officers. And then I'm wondering, like you are probably, what's going on here? Why? Then we hear the word, it looks like an ambush. And that that perhaps those officers had been lured. Who would do such a thing? And we wondered that about a, a killing several months ago as well. And then we've been talking about what's happening in our transit and why are why is it unsafe to get on a subway in Toronto? Why do people feel that way? And a, a boy getting stabbed and then in Vancouver, somebody getting stabbed in a in a coffee shop. And then it gets turned on police officers who are a symbolic of the institution of law enforcement there to protect us. So we want to talk about it. We want to go there. Uh, joining us is Gregory Brown, who was assistant professor of criminal justice with the School of Science, Health and Criminal Justice, State University of New York. He's worked in criminal intelligence and a liaison capacity with the Criminal Intelligence Service in Ontario there. So has an eye on America, eye here on Canada. Gregory Brown, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us live today. My pleasure, Arlene. Is it a trend? Gregory, I mean, you have experience, you're watching things in America. We follow the news in America very closely here. We're seeing it. And certainly there is what appears to be a disturbing pattern. What are you seeing? Sadly, I, I hate to, to suggest, but yeah, it seems to be a trend. Certainly these uh, murders of police officers over the last 12 months in Canada are unprecedented. Um, these these things have happened historically. Um from time to time, I mean, I, I recall attending a funeral in Quebec, Ontario, for an officer that was ambushed. Uh, a person called nine one one, and when the officer showed up, they murdered them. Um, as part of my work with the Ottawa Police Service mm-hmm. as a homicide detective, some years ago, I investigated the ambush murder of one of our officers, uh, Eric Chapnick. Um, so they have happened sporadically from time to time, but um, but nothing like this uh, on this widespread uh, scale over the last twelve months in Canada. So many aspects of this, but why don't we deal with the why? And, you know, I tied it in with our look on violence and what's going on because we're asking the same questions. It's got to be, I mean, is it post-pandemic? Is there something in the water? Is there something? Are we tearing down institutions? Is there something we're saying or not saying here? What do you make of it, the why? I, you know, we all don't have the perfect answer, but right. I think we can draw some conclusions, Gregory. Sure. I mean, since the incident happened in Bourget, just just outside of Ottawa, an area I'm quite familiar with, um, I've been reflecting on this and trying to come up with with a reason. Of course, I I don't have an empirically validated reason, but but I suspect there's two things at play. Um, I suspect one would be the the complete uh, breakdown of the mental health system 
in Ontario and certainly in jurisdictions across Canada and the United States. Community mental health is almost non-existent. Um, I have friends that are clinical psychologists whose wait lists are in almost double-digit number of years, not months or days. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a huge void in terms of providing mental health services. I, I'm going to I'm not a clinical psychologist. My my PhD was in uh, sociology, and, and I teach law and legal studies. But uh, I think we can apply common sense to, to think that somebody that lies in wait and ambushes a police officer maybe isn't exactly playing with a full deck. It's likely there's some pretty severe underlying mental health challenges that the experience, that the individual is experiencing, and, and this is just rampant, and, and it's going untreated. In the community, it's going untreated within correctional facilities. Inmates within custodial facilities are not receiving mental health treatment. And, of course, those are terrible environments. And when individuals are released back into the community, their mental health challenges are even worse than when they went in, exacerbated by some of the things you alluded to in the post-pandemic world. And I, and I suspect the second thing that we're looking at is possibly related to the kind of transition in the public attitude towards police, and I'm using the, the word public in a broad mm -hmm. sense. I'm not mm -hmm. suggesting that everyone shares the same perspective on policing, but policing uh, in the last decade or so has changed considerably in terms of public opinion about police. The policing is now viewed with quite a bit of suspicion, and uh, we're demanding much more accountability from police. And sadly, we have some very graphic episodes of police misconduct that are yeah. sort of fueling the fire with, with the public attitude. Um, just last week, some of some of my students were having a discussion, and one of them mentioned this terminology, ACAB, which is an acronym that stands for All Cops Are Bastards. And the, the question wow. was asked, you know, is this legitimate? Can we brand, in Canada, we have approximately 65,000 police officers, brand every single one of them with that label? And of course, my response was that's ludicrous, but this is prevalent. If you see demonstrations after a, a police incident, um, different organizations uphold this this kind of idea that um, police officers are, are not to be respected, uh, that they're evil people. And I can't help but think that that might contribute, not being able to enter the mind of, of the perpetrator, but that this pervasive sort of societal attitude towards police might have something to do with this. It is. It's so complicated, but I think everybody, I can just, everything you were saying is so true. You know, there's a sense when we started demanding, and I say we, the proverbial, we, we the people, a, a little bit more accountability from police officers, and you've given us such a balanced account there. We have seen stuff that we didn't like. And how do we fix it? I mean, is that part of it? Is Are we going through a phase here? You know, was it better? I was just thinking the other day, you know, when I was brought up as a little girl, you were told you're in trouble, you run to the police, you run to the police. And it's really hard to listen. There are people in communities who don't feel that way. So, Gregory, is this? Uh, are we transitioning into reality, or are we, you know, falling down a hole here? Sure. Well, your question was, how do we fix it? It's actually not that complicated. Uh, a lot of people that that are, you know, reluctant to see it fixed because it's a very expensive uh, ticket item um, don't don't want to hear that. They want to make it convoluted and that it's far too complex to address, but it's actually very straightforward. Um, we have to select the right individuals to be police officers in our society. That's step one. 
that requires extensive, far more extensive than what takes place today. Screening, we have the tools to, to screen out uh, people that should not do this job. It's a very hard job. Not everyone can do this job. It's a very rare type of individual that can do the job properly. And we need to identify and attract those kind of people. And the second component is training. Uh, police officers receive an incredibly small amount of training for the kind of mm-hmm. responsibility that the job entails. And so yeah. I've been calling for years. I, you know, I do speeches for the chiefs of police. I talk to police leaders all the time. And I'm on them all the time about increasing training. It, it will probably shock your listeners to know that in Ontario, in terms of use of force, which is areas where police typically get into a lot of trouble, we see troubling videos, accounts of, of police using force in an inappropriate way. Officers in Ontario might receive eight hours of use of force training once per wow. year. And that that training has been watered down over the years because of, you know, you can't have half of the workforce off with dislocated shoulders and sprained wrists and broken noses. So the training is is very mild and limited, uh, both in scope and in time. And that has to change dramatically. Uh, officers need significantly, exponentially much more training than what they experience now. And that's how you're going to rehabilitate the image of police. When you see police behaving consistently in a highly professional way, we don't have these troubling use of force videos and the news that animate the public, and that's the remedy. It's it's very straightforward, but it's very, very, very expensive. It's so tough to talk about this because in it, it's it's one thing of people who are say they're victims of bad policing, and that's hard. It's hard for us to, not to look away and then to see that something funny is going on and police officers are being targeted. I'm going to ask you about those feelings, how tough it is for you. You know, you got into this, into this business, you got into the career of being someone in policing and law and order. How are you feeling about all the things that you've just opened up to us about? Well, it's troubling. Um, you know, police officers serve the community. And when one is, uh, uh, hopefully it's just one. I, I understand the second officer is, you know, fighting for his mm-hmm. his teeth. Um, you know, when they're targeted explicitly because of, of their occupation, um, that, that's disturbing. I, I have most of my friends are are, are police officers, and, and they're reeling. It's it's really disturbing, and officers are feeling very much uh, literally under the gun. Um, it's, it's a pervasive sadness. It's also an elevated level of uh, fear. And, uh, you know, officers are, are, are concerned. They're scared. They're, there is something happening that's very troubling, and they're not immune to that. Um, and so the level of vigilance, I'm sure, has escalated. Uh, officers are very visible by, by intention. Uh, they, they wear uniforms that have in big, bold letters on the back of their body armor, police. They drive vehicles that we all can see that that are police cars, and so they're they're essentially sitting targets. Uh, the, the poor officer that went in to have a lunch break uh, in Peel Region, I believe, uh, yes, was was assassinated in a coffee shop mm-hmm. uh, picking up his lunch because he was wearing a, a police uniform. So, um, what what my concern is is that this trajectory is going to continue not only with the the targeting of police officers, but Sadly, in response, uh, when police vigilance is is elevated, that's sometimes where tragic mistakes or accidents can take place. An officer can 
with with a heightened level of uh, vigilance can misperceive uh, a citizen's actions as threatening, and then we can have a tragic circumstance uh, in that regard as well. It's true, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, you know, the human beings and something primitive takes over, and you say, am I at risk? And they are. <laughs> they are, so they're going to clearly look at it in a different way. Do you know that's affecting officers? What are they saying? Well, in my inbox this morning uh, yeah. from the, the police uh, labor organization that uh, that used to represent me when I was a serving police officer, there's uh, emails about uh, officers' mental health. Uh, from the president of the Canadian Police Association, Tom Stamatakis. It was something on Twitter in my feed this morning, uh, talking about, you know, if you're struggling, reach out, there's support available, and so on and so forth. So this is really impacting on on officers' mental health. It's coming on the heels of what we spoke about before the break, this, this shift in society uh, towards policing being something that's not only uh, limited uh, in terms of citizen respect, and, I, and I'm not saying all citizens feel that way, but a significant and growing number of citizens, um, you know, it's, it's compounding that, that issue. Uh, I was doing another interview in another venue the other, uh, the other day, and I was talking about, you know, police officers historically, you know, I'm talking 20, 30 years ago, when there was a police officer in someone's family, that was considered to be something that, that parents were, and siblings were proud of. You know, my son is okay. a police officer. That was something oh, yeah. that was to be celebrated. It was noble. Mm-hmm. It was it was not something to be ashamed of. I have friends that are retired police officers now that when they're asked in social environments, you know, oh, you're retired. What did you do for a living? Rather than proudly saying, you know, I was a police officer, they say, oh, I worked for the city or I was in government or something really? like that. Because there's a significant it. shift in, in the perception yeah. of police. It is true. And some of the officers I talked to said, you know, I I was asking some, what do you think it would take to get better people and more qualified people, more committed people and said, make it, make all these things important, make it important because they aren't feeling that way. You know, it's, it's a bit depressing, the situation here, and it's coming from all sides. Do you think it's going to get worse. It's going to be on the rise right now. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a social scientist. So I operate in the empirical world, so I don't often go on a limb and give opinions without uh, an empirical foundation. I don't see the trajectory changing uh, all on its own. Uh, I think there are things we can do, and as I mentioned earlier, making sure that we hire the right people, incentivizing the right people, um, just earlier today, I was speaking with someone about a fact that's little known, and it'll probably surprise some some of your listeners, but policing is one of the few occupations where every single person earns the same salary. So every constable in each police service at Queen's Canada earns the same salary. They can earn a little bit more if they go to court more often or they yeah. work some overtime, but essentially it's the same. In the, in the other world that I work in, in the academic world, um, as is reported every year in the, the Sunshine List in, in Ontario, it's quite a famous thing. Every professor earns a totally different salary, and it's based on merit and how much training you have, how much experience. And so I think if we're talking about uh, incentivizing the police to, to do better, uh, that could be a financial reward for getting additional training. When we talk about mental health response in the community and police being not the right people to respond to mental health crisis, what about the novel idea of uh, training police officers to be 
psychologists or social workers. When I supervised the platoon of officers in downtown Ottawa, I had some brilliant young officers that were very highly educated, very motivated. What about sending officers uh, off to university to earn a master of social work degree or become yeah. a psychologist so they can respond I, better I, to that, Yeah, that is a fresh and certainly a wonderful idea, in my opinion, actually. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.